You now tuned into the hottest podcast in the world, the Stay Woke Podcast, right here on the SonicBreakdown.com. Man, it's time to wake up. Time to wake up. Get this cake up. Get this cake up. Only thing I care about is switching. Welcome back to another Stay Woke Podcast. This is D. Ray Brenton, and you know the Stay Woke Podcast is presented by the SonicBreakdown.com. Go over to the SonicBreakdown.com and check out our articles and our reviews. Um, we got music reviews and tons of articles out there, so please check that out. Let's get into the topic today. Today is going to be, we haven't done it in a while, it feels like, you know, but we're getting right back at it. A critique and analysis of the war. For those out there who uh, love Marvel and love uh, comic book movies, this is going to be a great and interesting conversation, but there will be tons and tons of spoilers. So if you haven't watched it, either pause, go watch the movie, or listen anyways, because you're still going to like the conversation. So let me introduce who we have today to uh, talk about this. Some might say great movie and some might say dark, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, we have Benjamin Ananowo, who's been on, on several podcasts before. Thanks for hey, coming on. Thanks for having me again. Glad to be here. And uh, it's my first time doing a movie review. So uh, if you enjoy uh, what I'm talking about, please go ahead and follow me on at Cousin Benji at Instagram. And I'm ready to get it, it popping. And we also have a... A consistent member of the Stable Podcast, Ms. Atlanta Jane. Hi, great to be back, Ready? I'm so excited to rejoin you guys after a bit of a break. And I love talking about MCU stuff, so let's do it. And we have a stable to the movie, comic book, just general podcast, Ready? He in the building. Hey, you know, thanks for having me once again. Kind of excited about this one. We're about to see some and hear some interesting stuff. Let's go. Let's begin and say... um, for those who haven't seen the movie or those who are not familiar with the comic, let's give some back history of the movie aspect of uh, the Thor genre or the, the Thor series, the Thor collection. The third, third installment, installment, Thor Ragnarok. Everybody has, here has seen all of them except Reddy, who has been slacking and didn't see the last installment of the Thor series. Yeah, it was on me. I mean, I missed it, but I still, I still get some good insight. But uh, I'm gonna watch it. Just haven't had the time yet. I mean, I don't really blame you uh, if you didn't watch it, just because of the fact that uh, as great as Marvel movies are and the MCU, I enjoy them greatly. Uh, some of the blemishes for inside of the MCU never get talked about. Um, so most people, um, as much as they discredit films like, say, Justice League and terrible villains like Steppenwolf. I mean, Malithic the Accursed. I mean, is that going on the top 10 list of uh, villains? He was pretty terrible, and Thor 2 was terrible. Uh, So I don't blame Reddy for not watching it if he expected Thor Ragnarok to be like Thor 2. However, it was not. Now, wait, wait. I have to definitely agree with you because I had a lot of high hopes for um, the Dark World, and when I went to go see it, I was really like, "This, this is where you decided to go with the Thor series." Like, there's so much better things could have happened. You could have done this in so many different ways. It could have been better. So yeah, I haven't been like super excited. And better effects too. Shade, no shade. So before we go on to the third installment, let's let's go over what you like and didn't like about the first installment, and then we'll go to the second one, which we got someone into. Just quickly go into what you liked about the first first the, installment. The um, you know, Thor. He's been around since the Amazing Tales, uh, created by uh, Jack Kirby, uh, late great Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. You know, it was a, a good movie. It introduced uh, some more of the mysticism and the outer worldly stuff into the MCU because originally all we were getting was Iron Man. Uh, you had the typical story 
Thor, he's arrogant, uh, gets cast out by his father, has to go ahead and find himself being worthy, eventually goes ahead and picks up his hammer and uh, gets into a nice CGI-laden battle uh, where he doesn't have his powers, does the typical I'm the hero, I'm going to sacrifice myself type of uh, jive, and it was a good film. Um, I enjoyed the first Thor because it same point that you were just making, uh, Ben, and introduces some of the mysticism that's missing, especially from the Iron Man um, subgenre of MCU. But I also just really loved it for this sort of deep um, Shakespeare level storytelling of like the favored son and the unfavored son mm-hmm. and the tension between them. And what does it mean when you discover that you were adopted? Which like yeah. sounds simple on paper, but you can really you could uh, especially with um, Loki, Tom, yeah, Loki, oh, yeah. Tom Hiddleston. You can see so much of that. He, he projects a lot of pain and rage in a lot of interesting ways in that story. And mm-hmm. I, I found it really moving. Like, I got more emotional about the Thor story than, I think, any of the other origin stories so far. Oh. I think for a basis of an origin story, it was definitely really good. Because it literally did introduce... I have to agree with everyone else. I'm not going to repeat that part. But I agree with that concept. But also, it was a good introduction to even the power of Thor. Where you hear Thor in almost every kind of concept of... You know, from Greek mythology, you people get people confused and think Thor's, you know, not a Norseman, you know. So it's you always hear of these gods of thunder. And it was a good introduction to even that concept where were the introduction of higher beings higher than humans, because that's all we were saying before, like you said, with Iron Man. But now we're seeing that there is something beyond the regular human being that has multi levels, which is the only reason we ever got to see the Shatari, because, you know, that had to be, you know, he had to be introduced before that. But as well as, you know, the concept of the prodigal son, you know, cast out, you finally get it right and you come back. The problem I always had about the movie is more of how they introduced the concept of the Bifrost. Like, I love who the, the guy that had uh, Idris Elba, who played Hamdell, but I hated almost all the other basic characters. I would say that, like, they're, fi- they're the Warriors 3, I didn't really like them, I didn't feel with them. And even Lady Sith, she was she had a grow on me. But besides that, the basic structure of the movie I loved and the introduction of it. Um, for me, I thought Thor, Thor, the first Thor was a it was a good movie. Uh, I did like the story. I felt I agree basically with everybody here that the story was well written. Um, the introduction of the characters, the development, and the emotional attachment was very strong in that movie. One of the things that um, I want to move now on to the second. Uh, movie is that I did agree with you. The villain wasn't wasn't good, and I just feel like the writing wasn't as sophisticated and elegant in providing more emotional um, to carry over. Because I felt like they had a lot to carry on that they could have carried on from the first one into the second one that they that they missed an opportunity there. That's just how I feel. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I completely agree about falling down on the second one. Like they, I think they were banking on how much emotional development they did in the first one and then they forgot to do any of it in the second one. Mm-hmm. You actually, like you still yeah. have to push all of those elements of writing in order to make the story good and they, I, I feel that they really did not and then I just could not get it together to care about um, Jane being in peril. Like I kind of, like I don't, she's not my favorite um I don't even know what to call her uh, in the MCU, but like I just, I was just not caring. I was not, I didn't like, I, you know, you she's in mortal peril and I just don't care. So yeah, I just, I, I blacked out a bunch of it, uh, except that some of the CGI was, uh, I would say actually subpar for how much money they had on hand. Um, but yeah, dark world. Nah, sorry. And unequivocally, I have to agree with Miss Jane here. It's when one of the biggest things I was disappointed was the storyline that went with the whole thing being around Miss Jane to me, destroyed the concept of Thor. Thor was a god that he wasn't supposed to be this attached. In in one movie, you fell absolutely in love with a woman where you destroy your whole god career. Like, 
the dark world itself and even the the whole fighting of the dark elves i didn't realize why would that even be a thing to bring in because it has no connection and we haven't seen a connection from it since so they clearly saw it didn't work as well as it wasn't the best avenue of showing thor get more powerful he didn't develop he stayed the same like who he was in the first one and who he was at the end of the second one was no difference so that's why i'm a little bit concerned of who he was in the third one because if he's the same person you can never love a character that has no development. Yeah. Um, well, he definitely develops uh, later on, um, which I think probably the only takeaway from the Dark World would be when uh, Tom Hiddleston's character Loki dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pr- and that's the one thing that I think sets in motion the character development and the journey for Thor. Dies, quote unquote. Yeah. Uh, you know, at least to you know once again using his mischief uh, against his brother. But um, I just think that was one of the portions of the mcu that fans forget you know as this whole you know almost android versus apple debate between mcu and like you know uh (laughs) dc type of like movies is like started to like fester and boil up uh people forget iron man 2 was horrible um and and that had and that had another horrible villain inside of it um, Iron Man 3 was also horrible as well. Like, be honest, Iron Man as a solo act is only going to be good from the first film. Because oh, my God. Cap forever. Just real quick. Yeah. And you know, Captain America movie was dope. Yeah, no. Cap, but also, Captain America is this fully developed and great character. We really break de- it down. There was an Iron Man cartoon in the 80s, early 90s. Nobody watched that cartoon. Every, every second, Tony Stark's suit. Oh, I'm out of batteries. I'm stuck. What can I do? Like, he was terrible. You can tell how good a hero is based on the villain. And the villain primarily, because the villain is naturally a mirror of the hero. So as antithesis. Yeah. Or a good one. It should be. Yeah, a good one. You know what I'm saying? So as a result, when you have that, the leader is, is the villain for Tony Stark. And so it's like Tony Stark, there's a reason why before that movie came out, a first edition Iron Man one comic that's like perfect mint condition was like going for like two three hundred dollars like which in the comic book world that's nothing yeah. nobody cared about it till Tony Stark reprised the role and it was great so yeah just say that about the Dark World yeah you mean Robert Jr. Downey wasn't wasn't when good Robert Downey yeah Don, when Robert Downey Jr. which it's like he's now just like how Sam Jackson for many kids is going to be uh. Nick yeah, it's going to be Nick Fury that you're going to go ahead and associate him with being Tony Stark. Yeah. So now that we've gone through the first and the second movie, I want to begin, instead of just giving your overall um, depiction of, of how you felt about the third movie, let's break, down, let's break it down into um, some sections. Um, I want to first touch on one of the pivotal scenes um, of... Again, spoiler alert, it's out there. This is the last warning you get. Um, is uh Odin Odin dying. Uh the first act of the film, um, the first like major plot point is uh Odin's death. Um I think it was it's something that needed to happen. Just from a realistic standpoint. Yeah, it, it propelled Anthony, the movie forward. Well, no, I mean like a real, real standpoint. Oh, yeah, the it's man the was the fact old. that Anthony Hopkins is playing him. And oh, there's, yeah. a, there's a reason why Westworld also decided at the end of they the first season to, you know, we think that the main character that Anthony Hopkins plays is dead. Because, I mean, he's a, a national treasure to acting. However, we just 
don't know how long he's going to be around. You know, we were already having a discussion before we got on air about, you know, how 2017 has been like a rough year. And I mean, we've had a lot go in 2017. Yeah. So you never know Anthony Hopkins. Hopefully, you know, knocking on wood, he stays around. However, so that needed to happen. Um, yeah, first act, Odin uh, dies. I thought it was uh, the only problem I had with it was it would have been nice to have got a scene with he and Hela talking so that she could have had her yeah. displeasure said to her father because there's also like undertones in a way mm. too as well uh if we talk about the prodigal son and about being adopted from the first film it's also very interesting that asgard was built on the back of odin and his daughter hella his firstborn so almost typical of what we see when it comes to uh patriarchy that just exists in our normal lives and within many cultures is he could in a way also pass the reins off to his female offspring even in this even in this world even, even in, in this that, world where she's clearly Asgard. more powerful than you know the other two children yeah. but it's interesting that odin changed and and became that it became too much when his daughter as she said when hell was like he became weak as in a way because i was starting to challenge him so you know it's once he got a rival all of a sudden now he locks her way i, I found that was interesting think about that as well as think about how he treated loki who was his adopted son and who was always a trickster doing quote-unquote bad things yeah he's a mischievous guy. mischievous guy but what he did to hella who helped him to the rise of like just that also dynamic as well of the adopted son versus your real daughter and she helps you get there and just being who she is you in essence kind of like disown her but you embrace and accept this kid that keeps on doing mischievous things and that dynamic of male versus female as well well i'll say this just from the comic books in general he was always afraid of her power which is why she was always a god of death because she was always more powerful than him and had the potential to take him out. So even when we looked at some of the old comic books, he would always, when they put her in there, she was always, she could take my crown without even trying. So he was like, once she showed enough power that you can rob you, I think about it. He, he's still thinking about his own hide because he is Odin. He Odin has done fucked up things in his comic book careers. Like people think of Odin as this gracious, nice God, but, Odin has not been that gracious or nice. He's always I mean, he usurped the power from his father, Bor, <laughs> is right? Exactly. Yeah, like, he hasn't been this I, nice guy. I don't guy. know too much about his father, <laughs> Bor, but he, he did something to usurp the he power. Did, he did what most great men do to get to their, the heights of their power. They do they unscrupulous the things to get to their height, mm -hmm. and then they change because of where they're at. And of, of time and experience is that you learn that the things that got you there weren't really worth worth it. All right, that's how it tends to go in in literature. Mm -hmm. I mean, the main the main thing I got from the first act, um, the death of Odin, like he just he he did all three of his children wrong in different ways. He's mm. he's not a great father, Odin, mm. at all. Like he he withholds, he encourages them to compete with each other. Um, but that's not the image that it feels like it. They it seems like we get though. Well, that he, we had an image of Matt I mean, besides a couple the, of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, images aren't everything. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying it's just interesting. That like that's, inter that's what we get from the story, but the way that the imagery is kind of given is that he was... Well, I mean, he, they beloved. draw him like he's like Santa Claus. He's mm. a big, jolly white man with a beard. I mean, you know, like, so he looks nice, but... Yeah, he looks really, like, um, beatific. He looks... Yeah, he looks, he looks kind of like... He looks mythological the way that they 
um, styled Anthony Hopkins to play the role, and he has that beautiful voice, of course. But like, he's done so much crap stuff to their to his three children. Like, I like I you know, like me as a parent, like I think about it, and I'm like, yeah, like I'm kind of glad you're 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 done, dude. Like, <laughs> and and at the same time, I, I also felt the 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 conflict that Loki and Thor, at least for a second, get the concept of departure and grief and how Hel- hella just gets ripped off i mean she, she's smart so she figures out the reason she's out is because he's gone but mm. um i think some of the rage is coming from that is coming from inability to to grieve properly and i i, I want to touch on that as well is that um that idea of of the scene that you were talking about that if she would have had the chance to talk to him the fact that she's robbed of that does give some sense that she would have this extreme anger that she is going to take out on thor and loki especially um, the fact that neither of them were aware of her presence. No. So like, like well, they're, but they're... Loki got it real quick. Yeah. In that, in that opening scene, no, yeah, she true. meets them out on that meadow, mm-hmm. you know, off the cliff. He got it real quick to be like, look, Thor, like, I, I don't think this is wise. And <laughs> usually his headstrong brother thought might made right. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was an interesting scene too, that you're right. That um, Loki was instantly uh, very aware of the situation. And, and Thor was, as as he is but it does seem like thor does grow later on but we'll touch on that a little bit later yeah i mean it's interesting the two of them oftentimes to me almost remind me of like carlton and will from you know the fresh, fresh prince, prince. <laughs> you know, just coming because it's like you know thor in the first movie like you know loses birthright he comes back they go through all these funny things they don't like each other but it just seemed like in one of those type of episodes where it's like they're on the wrong side of town Uncle Phil's not there to save them. It's almost like that episode where they like decide to go into a pool hall <laughs> and try to, you know, do a little bit of hustling and end up getting hustling. Hustles, yeah. Except for Uncle Phil was gone. He couldn't come to come save their life there. And they, they were in a whole heaping amount of trouble, like in this movie. Like, uh, if there's one thing, Hella is literally one of the most overpowered. Like, I don't know if people listening to this or those on the panel watch Dragon Ball Super at all. But she's got some Jiren level type power. Like it's ridiculous how powerful she is. Yeah, she's real powerful. I think the craziest part about it is she is powerful, and she knows she's that powerful, and she's not afraid to use it. Like she's she uses it at any whim, whenever she feels like it, and no hesitation. I just wanted to know, uh, you know, we're getting a little bit into the second act. Yeah. I just wanted to know, so who is she gonna rule over? Cause she got done murdering about half of of the realm. She of talked Asgard. about it. she talked about that. She that remember she talked about basically that Odin. That that's where they split. Is that her and Odin? She wanted to continue conquering all of the realms, and he was like, "No, we're good. I'm happy with what I I got enough land. I got enough pro- like I'm good." And she's like, "Nah, we taking everything." But, but it's one thing to conquer, like you conquer, like what she was trying to do. You go ahead. You round up a couple of like strong people or those like naysayers, and then you murder them. And then usually people fall in line. She just right off the bat was just like, let's just start murdering people. <laughs> but I mean, in, historically in the comic books in general, that's who she always was. She was one of those ones that wanted to rule over the dead. Like that was that was power to her. I don't know if she remains like that as much in the comic books and the movies, but the comic books, she just wants everything to be dead because she controls it then. Don't forget though, Ben, there's this epic uh, moment when she lands on, or she arrives in Asgard and she tells them all to kneel for her queen. Mm. Kneel for their queen and they do not. Like, she doesn't, she doesn't jump off with all her 
swords coming out of her sleeve situation. True. She she invites them to fall and, in and line she, and they do not. And she gave them actually, to be honest, in that one scene, she gave them several opportunities because she asked them once, this is your answer? This is opportunity result, number two. As a result, she had still, to go ahead and get the eternal fire and bring back the dead for an mm-hmm. army because she murdered all our, like right. had she decided to go ahead and kill off the last member of the warriors three i think maybe the army would have stood down but that she's <laughs> impulsive like both her brothers and and also that that piece the sort of the i think i think why she escalates so quickly is and or, or, she's she's surprised and then enraged when they won't kneel and the, and she there's that scene of her taking down all the plastered revisionist mm. history shit about how yeah. Odin took the nine realms. Like she's completely missing from the story, which of course is infuriating and um, hit me in a political way because part of <laughs> just a slight sidebar, part of the many reasons, like one of the many important reasons why the U S is fucked up is revisionist history. Mm. And I could really feel some of the, some of her unbelievable rage that these people don't know who she is. They won't kneel because they don't know who she is. Yeah. Infuriating. Like yeah. I was with her on that. I'm like, and, yeah, Kate, t- and, fucking take him down. Did that scene? <laughs> did that scene happen uh, after she had got done murdering the uh, the army, or was it before? I can't remember. You talking question, about the though. scene of the the plaster? Yeah, the plaster. it was after. See, because because remember for, she that's a, that's she took she took she took them all down, and then her and um, the executioner. Yeah. They both walked into there, and that's when oh, she's right. basically breaking down that uh, that history to him. Because, like you said, yeah. she she exhausted her not exhausted her energy, but her anger was was uh, extinguished by killing all the men. And then she was like, "He was the only one left." And she's like, "Well, now since they don't know, you're on my side. You need to know." Yeah. See, that's just where I felt that they missed an opportunity with such a strong um, villain as a woman. And Kate Blanchett that, is the, and, the actress yeah, in this. Yeah, I just yeah, want to throw Kate that out Blan- there. Blanchett playing um, Hella. You know, Hella. I felt they just missed an opportunity where it's like, if you just reverse that and you have her first see the revisionist history, which clearly was in the movie also like to show that level where it's like, once again, we have always had women and minorities, especially in Western, in the Western world, plastered over just like mm. that wall with mm. having then this revisionist history where here's the old father right there i conquered you know these folks i'm benevolent ruler and she exposes those things that's where i felt like that then creates the rising action in her to be like look neil neil you don't neil you're I, I'm, I'm wiping everybody out because i just felt they made her too impulsive from the standpoint of like she's older she had had more experience she's like governed in like the world of like death, like for her to realize like, okay, like I have a strategy. It just seemed like they just made her too impulsive. Maybe that's, maybe, maybe that's part of, uh, still patriarchal society. Well, yeah, you, that's well, how you would have to that, ask how many uh, writers were women that were on the yeah, know, because staff. For, that, that's what I'm saying. Because I, you, you're, you're right. Because of then it, to me, it would have made it a lot more moving, especially because like you said, she gives the um, last of the three the option. He doesn't do it. She kills him. And then she goes, y'all have a scene basically like, y'all don't know who I am. Breaks down the, the plaster and see, and see, that's me. Like, ba- like, you know, better writing, of course, whatever. And then give them the option because then it, it, at that point, she's saying to you, are you going to follow on this path of male dominance? And you know what I'm saying? Now you know. And if you don't go, then I think it would have been a, a lot more uh, depth to that scene. Um, as well, because then again, 
And then to me, that would be the more interesting question was how do you decide the reaction by those few? Do you have all of them decide that they're going to stick with that? A few 50, 50, like what is the ratio that you're going to have of them that say, you know what? I'm going to follow her because she is a beast and she is, I know the real history now, or that goes, I don't care. Because even in because, of Khaleesi because went ahead and all she did was burn Randall Tarly and Dickin. Because, because think <laughs> she about didn't burn everybody. Yeah, think about that. And then just think about in our in a real pol- political situation, Trump was saying the things that he was saying, and people still voted for him anyways, but they're saying they don't believe in what he was saying. You know what I'm saying? So, like, what what would that ratio be? That would be my question that I posed to, 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 to the panel. And I and I just want to jump off of what you were saying, Ben, about how many uh, ladies were in the writing room. Answer zero, um, or at least they're <laughs> screenplay by three dudes. Um, they they did have I think they did actually have some tone problems with Hella. They didn't really land on how she was going to be portrayed because she has some really great humorous moments that mm. Kate kills. But then like especially in the in towards the end of the story, the 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 dialogue for her really takes a dive in my opinion like it's just it's less it's less compelling it's like they stopped making jokes with her but it's like oh like is she sort of a funny villain or like they they they, they kind of moved around a lot with her um and i think maybe did a little bit of a disservice to that to that character arc by not really settling on a tone although she is hilarious when she says that carol urban looks like a bright boy and that's <laughs> why, yeah you know so, that was a good joke one of the one of the best in the show yeah that was hilarious mm-hmm. um and then I guess getting into the uh, the meat of the second act is, you know, they're on the uh, Bifrost bridge. They're mm-hmm. trying to stop Hela from, you know, getting to Asgard before, you know, the aforementioned um, kind of execution that she goes through. And as a result, uh, Thor and Loki are both knocked off the Bifrost. And now we find Thor in basically what is a makeshift World War Hulk, if you're familiar with the comics or with some of the MCU cartoons from the past. I was almost out here, like, my eyes were dilated as if I was in a clockwork orange trying to look because I felt there was going to be all kinds of Easter eggs where I'm like, are they going to show a flash of, like, the Shatari um, Empire or the Shi'ar Empire? Are they going to show, like, so am I going to see a scroll somewhere? Like, I was trying to figure out, I'm like, because the way that it was shot they were showing you things in the background and these flashes were popping to where you could tell that they were going through all these uh, all through these um not dimensions but through just the parts of the different realms as well as the universe so it it was it was a cool scene to me visually since since we're about halfway through the movie now in comparison to thor 2 visually at this point what were you satisfied oh it's little it was leaps and bounds better than, yeah, I thought that's so dark world. And I thought, and and I also want to touch on this since we're also at the halfway point is um we already see an increase in in humor than we saw definitely in the second one. And to me, I felt like they were taking a page off Guardians of the Galaxy. Same, I felt that exact same way. And 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 especially just and some of the visuals as well, and some of the just the way that they were dropping the lines of the humor, it just felt like it was it was fitting in that pocket or pattern of Guardians of the Galaxy. You felt that way as Sue did, did well, Reddy didn't over here see it again. I, I felt that way exactly and that's one of the things that we were talking about earlier maybe we get into now is though this movie is for MCU and slash comic book movies as a whole that are from either Fox or Sony or um, Marvel or DC this was one of the darkest movies possible. But the reason why 
you know, earlier we were talking before uh, we got on here. The reason why no one feels that it's that dark is because of the humor. Is because the difference between getting on my high horse of debating it out here is the difference between Marvel and DC right now, other than the fact that DC is far behind because Marvel were comparing what they've done now for 10 years. And as we talked about earlier, they had some hiccups with Iron Man 2. They had some hiccups with how they tried to first introduce Hulk when Edward Norton was playing him. The main difference is the destination and the journey that they use in Marvel. They utilize humor and they utilize, you know, um, action and those things to try to tell a story. But we've already just been talking here for maybe about 30 minutes. Odin died, one of one of the like, the biggest characters. Hela murdered the Warriors Three in cold blood. Uh, we saw uh, the rest of the army being murdered. We saw Mjolnir be destroyed. Um, as we go on just later here, which just Ragnarok happens. The whole entire planet is destroyed and gone. Um, all of the Asgardians did not get off of that. So as a result, this is really freaking dark. Plus, uh, plus the concept of um, gladiatorial games are one of the darkest oh, concepts yeah. ever. Like just and that uh, moves us into Act Three. Yeah. Yeah. Is uh, the the gladiatorial games and the reintroduction of Hulk, but the first introduction in this particular film of um, the the meeting of uh, Thor and Hulk through the game. I felt that the the plot twist or the the way that he gets captured, I felt was kind of clumsy. Um, just in just the feeling of it. It just didn't feel, it just felt clumsy to me. It felt I, like a little Star Trek cold open. Yeah. Yeah. Like it just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yeah. I've watched many a Star Trek cold <laughs> opens because my mother is a huge Trekkie. Did, did I, anybody else feel that way? I didn't, I felt, I, I could see that now in hindsight. I mm. didn't, I didn't have a problem with it just because there are highly technologically advanced worlds and <laughs> like, for them to be able to have like some like we saw how Ultron, you know, something that was created on Earth was able to go ahead and give Thor so much trouble. Like, can I suspend disbelief and believe that there's a, a planet somewhere in the universe that has some type of nanotechnology that could enable a person like Thor? No, see that you know? like, like that doesn't bother the, me. The, the part that for me that made it feel clumsy is like uh, the fact that he was almost taken by the others. The uh, the Valkyrie, no, I that oh, I get w- when he was almost taken yeah, by the yeah, um, like, the fake uh two dollar yeah, version two, of the uh, Tatooine people exactly like <laughs> like th- 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 those <laughs> moments those moments felt like just like I was like for real like that that that's what I mean oh I I was kind of into it actually because it illustrated um like take take Thor's uh take take Mjolnir near away and Thor had a little crisis of confidence I mm. think like mm. you know he he we had he hasn't yet tapped back into the nature of his power so he's at a low point and I think the idea that the let's call him garbage collector dudes were able to um put him in trouble so easily like it helped it helped um solidify that like he's feeling the loss of the hammer and like, is he actually in trouble without it? Like it, like for me as someone who doesn't know the content of the comics, it increased drama for me that he would be in trouble in that way. Yeah. Him without Mjolnir almost makes me think about, you know, when I'm just watching a football game and the next thing you know, they go into these commercials where are like, are you suffering from ED? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you know, cause him without his hammer. Yeah. I mean, He's having he, a little issue. Yeah, he he's having an issue out there. He's having some problems. I, okay, we need Claxo Smith Klein to bail him out. What I'm, what I'm saying is, I felt like I that was still captured 
without they could have took that part out, got him captured by um the Valkyrie and yeah. the him having you know getting beat up and, and being um in that scene where with the Hulk and all that to me was enough to capture that emotion of I feel helpless without Mjolnir. Mm. Without that, to me, that scene didn't add to it for me. So. Well, one part I enjoyed is um, I was instantly um, fascinated by the character of the Valkyrie. I don't know if she has a different name besides that, but yeah. um, the actress is Tessa Thompson. And I like that because she's able to like drag him up the um, ramp into the ship and he's a big dude. So like her being able to drag him when he's passed out, like I'm like, what's going on In there? a drunken state. And I love the fact that she was just drinking like that. So As a person also drunk. loves a drink, I'm mm-hmm. like, she... Definitely, like if you're trying to go ahead and drink with the Valkyrie, like yeah. she's gonna drink it. I'm like, who's that? So I, I liked that as the intro for her too. So it's a nice intro. What did you think about the introduction that the scene of uh, Hulk, the, the whole relationship that they encompass between Hulk and Thor? Because I thought that was key well, because we well, already seen them. Before we get them to that, to, the okay. person that nearly stole the show, which I uh-huh. think the director uh, tried to pronounce it correctly. Uh, Taki or uh, Takia uh, Watiti, mm-hmm. um, who um, plays Korg and did the Korg voice is for so Korg. Good. Korg, um, part of uh, w- we saw a cameo of his people in the I believe first Thor movie. They're the rock folks that I forgot um, about that. I forgot are about from that. another realm uh, and planet. Uh, kind of uh, what seems like a warrior race. They're all like built out of rocks. And uh, they also got a lot more time in the animated uh, version of Planet Hulk. But uh, Korg, awesome. That he's this dude that's only out here like fighting for like workers' rights. Like, <laughs> you're so good. He has so much progressive politics. The Korg character. Also, I was just so into it because he's this huge dude. Um, and the. The actor's voice is so light. Like, yeah. he has such a light yeah, that, tone that of voice. that New Zealander Kiwi-type yeah. voice, plus you know. He, plus, he's hitting me with the Kiwi. And I actually, I thought it was one of the dudes from um, Flight of the Conchords for a second. And oh, I realized okay. that's because mm. I am profiling all New Zealanders off of two dudes. But, like, I just, <laughs> like, I just, I picked, I'm picturing, um, I'm picturing one of them in my head when I hear him. And then I was just, I was just beyond, uh just beyond delighted to hear that voice and then it just like i didn't know this at the time that i saw the film that it's the director and i was like way to use yourself correctly director because that was awesome and yeah i I definitely enjoy that uh the the thing that came to my mind instantly was mike tyson oh the soft voice and the big guy guy, and it just felt like the 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 earnestness that korg had yeah well i just like i said once again for a person i i had maturations of like wanting to do law at one point in life and i wanted to do labor law (laughs) so it's like just like how he was just like trying to go ahead and be a man for the people and he's like look you know the whole reason like how did you get here it's all like yeah i tried to start a protest but you know not enough people showed up to the protest (laughs) (laughs) you know the strike didn't work i was like what a lovable guy i know and i was like hashtag 2017 when he said that that was amazing and he's still dedicated to it he's still dedicated to his cause he's like like, i'm not gonna let that turn me down i'm still gonna go hey you might be interested yeah he was like are you interested would you like to join and then you know thor being thor you know he's just like hey i'm about to come out here i'm gonna go ahead and battle this champion i'm gonna get my freedom uh, so yeah, as you're talking about, the Hulk pops up, breaks out. Everybody sees it inside the trailers. The hilarious joke: Hey, this is a friend from work. work yeah. um, <laughs> but it, what what was interesting, which the trailer did a great job, was the trailer made you believe that maybe Hulk was being controlled yeah. or 
was in such a state of a rage that he didn't recognize Thor, didn't know him, but instantly he knows who Blondie is, and he's just like, oh, okay, well. I don't care, I'm still going to beat you yeah, up. Yeah, he's like, like, I'm still going to beat you up because we've already had all these kind of like, you know, buddy type of like problems of who's the strongest Avenger. So, and that's, and that's what I did like is because, and that's what I, again, like more about the Marvel Universe than I do about the DC Universe, especially when it comes to the films, is the development of the relationship. We already established a strong relationship with Thor and Hulk and how it's, um, how they're combative with each other, but at the end of the day, it's still out of love. Like they still have love for each other because of they feel they they understand that they're the same, and them being the same is what drives them apart. Well, but I, I, I don't I feel get like that. you built that. that. You I don't get, get that, that out that. of Batman you, and Superman. But the problem is where I disagree is once again how many movies were made, how many solo movies were made until they did Justice League, where they brought or until they did Avengers, where they brought both of them together. To me, the way I see dc comics are because they know they're so far behind they're using justice league and these team-up movies to progress the story to then go ahead and fill out the backstory with the solo films like wonder woman is in my top 10 of all time that was an awesome solo movie yes um and it's been a while let, let's just go down the line here we would it's been a while since you've had a solo standalone MCU film that's been like absolutely amazing. Like what Marvel does, in my opinion, which DC could stand to do is DC's movies are made for comic books, in my opinion. Marvel's movies are made for fans of films, but they just so happen to be hero movies because because Ant Man is a heist film. Hold on, man. You might as well call Ant Man. I like Ant Man. No. Hold on, man. And hold I like on, it too. On, did on, you like on. Ocean's Eleven when it came out? Yeah, I did. Hold yeah. On. So this is a exactly guy with wheelhouse. superpowers Wait. that's doing Ocean's Eleven. Pause. I need you to just pause. like they did with the Marvel Runner, like the TV we show Marvel Runaways is. We need to rewind a little bit. You said a statement about DC was made for comic book fans. That is absolutely ridiculous. Bro. Well, you are just in the minority because I know Hold a lot on. of other comic book fans that happen to enjoy DC no, films. I don't enjoy DC films. Most of them, I have a serious. I like I've said before, like Mar- the, the thing that Marvel does, and I wanted to say this earlier, but I was letting y'all talk for a minute. You, Marvel always adds levity because when you show mass murder and mass distinction, you can't if you keep it that serious. People get uncomfortable. We talk about the masses of people and your general concept when, when there's a lot of violence, people get uncomfortable. That's why Marvel breaks it up. DC, I give them this, they make it more real in that capacity where shit, people are gonna die. And it ain't gonna be funny. There ain't gonna be no jokes. But Marvel I, accounts for consequences of those deaths, though. They do. While while DC makes it seem like it never happened. Second, um, the other part I wanna say How? What? How does DC make it seem like it doesn't be, happen? Well, since the only movie I was gonna say it, it does, a little bit of spoiler if you haven't seen it, but in the current movie they did, but in past movies when things happened and people died in the movies, nobody pretend like it happened as long as it wasn't somebody that was a main character. The whole entire Suicide Squad is brought together based off the fact that Superman battling Zod murdered millions of people. Okay, so <laughs> that, okay, okay. That, or, uh, or hundreds of thousands of people. I just want to get in real quick and jump off something that um, Ben and actually Reddy were just saying about, the, about how we're addressing... The fans, because I think DC, I actually agree with you, Ben. I think DC is banking on the fan relationship and Marvel is trying to make new fans. For example, okay. I've I never even cracked a comic book and I'm a deep MCU girl now. Um, and that's from that's from the films. And like I, I have not had that same relationship with what I saw of DC and I've only seen some of the content, but it's just, it's just so, it's just not, they're not, especially with the scripts, they're not playing on the level. I agree. As I 100% is. agree with what you're saying with that particular part. Yeah. A DC, they're trying to go for the, uh, 
the comic book fans, I'll say trying. I'm saying they're not being successful with it. They it, it's it's a culture or the coatness of it where I love, I've always loved Batman, so I'm always gonna see a Batman movie if I like him or not. And I know so many people that do that all the time. Oh, I, I love I've always liked Superman, so I'm gonna watch it regardless. But Marvel is 100 percent agree with you, Jane, where it's like Marvel's like, I want everybody to watch these. That's why they try to do such a long and intricate backstory where when you see a new character, you're not surprised. It's not it's not a major epiphany. You're invested. It's, yeah, you're but already the, invested. The backstory, DC hasn't been able to do that yet. It comes from time. I agree. But, but, <laughs> but know, see, it comes from time. If we're really comparing these two, the problem with DC is having is they're trying to jump in or directly where Marvel has been going. The do- I, the dollars say DC's not having a problem. No, no, I'm, no, I'm not talking about in the amount of money because you have those fans that are going to go see it regardless. But they don't rank DC so, movies so very well. Very well. So what okay, I, just, and Rotten Tomatoes just uh, ranked Get Out like absolutely amazing. And you know what the people that make decisions behind films did? They put it in a co- comedy category. So I'm like, yeah. we can't really go off of like what the people and the nebulous people say. Also, actual point of order question that I have, and maybe some of the listeners have too, is are we talking about when we talk about the like? Because, because especially like Batman has been rebooted many times, many, many times. So are we are we counting when we talk about DC versus MCU? Are we because like I feel like the MCU modern one like started in two thousand eight with Iron Man, but like how how far do we walk back? DC like you know you know what I'm saying? Like where's the line? Well, it I think it shouldn't be. Um, I think you walk it back to um those like what was it? What was the name of the initial Batman? It was Batman. Batman. The Dark Knight? You're talking no, about yeah, the Dark Knight. Are you talking about the newest one? Yeah, oh, the, the Dark Knight. Yeah, Dark Knight. Okay. Going into yeah. the 2000s. Because I'm because, like... No, they did set the tone because those were the, the, those were the tone. Yeah. But no, no. To be real. But, and those are good. Yeah. And then what happens when they cast Ben Affleck? I got a question. But well, I, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Let's go back with the past. That we, if we're still talking about movies, because DC has had movies for a while. There's been an Iron Man movie in the 90s. And then after this, mm-hmm. we need to get back to Thor. Okay. <laughs> so I, I, I need but, to get us so back. But go ahead. Saying, the only thing the MCU had initially was Blade was good. Yeah, every, was every, every other attempt, they tried a Punisher movie. Until, until garbage. Ne- until and, Netflix. They tried two Punisher movies. Yes. Until, until Netflix came around with better writers, better resources, being on an area where you could flesh something out over 12 episodes with no rules for being worried about what it's going to be rated. Now you have an amazing show. There's a reason why, isn't the MCU, it's owned by Disney. Yeah. Now, yes. You know, there's a reason why Disney, and, and, if, and right when Disney started owning it, I even said it to friends going back, way back when I was like, Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be an absolute hit. And people didn't know anything about comic. Like, Gar- who is this? And, it, be- and it was successful because, once again, they wrote it as a movie. That movie, the way the script was written, could have been successful regardless if there were superheroes. Because it was a comedy. Because yeah. it was a comedy. Yeah, it was a comedy. It was a, it was a team-up comedy. And you a, can do a, a buddy comedy. A yeah. buddy comedy, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you're exactly right. Let's get back to Thor. Um, finish it out. Finish I want to. I want to. I want to talk about. Um, I think an important two. Two actually important characters. Uh, actually, three important characters that we've kind of touched on. I want to touch on the Valkyrie, the Grandmaster, and um, Handel, Hamdall. Yeah, do it. Um, I, and and then kind of give um, and then move into the the final act, the the resolution, and what we thought about the overall movie. But I, I want to. I don't want to. I think those three characters are important because we were already introduced to Hamdo before, so you have an emotional attachment to him, and you understand um, his importance to the structure of 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 um, 
of Asgard, of not just its political structure, but its like societal structure, like his importance overall. Um, what did you think about his his I, role in this movie? I've always loved, I've always loved Heimdall um, from the comics, and then I love that Idris Elba uh, was playing him on the films. I saw also just like from a historical standpoint, um, cultural standpoint, like looking at it, always looking at things too, where it's like he's such an interesting character. Where yeah. it's like in a perfect world, they would have already realized that they would like do some type of like Netflix like exclusive like movie to do like a backstory of Heimdall. Because yeah. initially Loki talks Good to watch. him. Loki talks to him and he says, like, how come you never decided to want to like try to usurp the throne? Because he has the same type of level of power mm-hmm. as a Hela, you know, and on maybe close to an Odin. Like, he, you know, is very powerful. That's why he trusted him like that. And it's also interesting for me when I just look at um, thinking thinking back to, like, the like body politics of, like, the 1960s. And I'm like, you have this black male that's, like, overlooking everything. He has this level of power, but it's like he's just docile in the way that he sees everything. It's that quality of that quote that they have of being the spook who sat by the door. And it's like it, it, it was interesting, mm. like seeing that from that level with like this character that is like powerful enough to overthrow, but not power hungry at all, but, but not power hungry at all. But also from a standpoint of like. Is he that docile to not want it? It reminds me also of of the movie. Um, there, Sidney Poitier. Uh, forget the name of the movie, but he's in a movie where he's tied to another uh, man, and they're both criminals. Yeah. And well, you remember the name of it? No, I know. I, I remember seeing it with my yeah. grandmother. And yeah. and Sidney Poitier at the end of the movie, he has the opportunity to go ahead and get away, and he's on the train, and, and he can make it. And his counterpart that he hated, that, you know, they were just completely against each other. It looks like he's not going to make it, and he jumps off the train. I feel like Heimdall will jump off the train for Odin and for even if they don't owe him anything. And, and he, I don't know if I feel proud about that, about, that, but, about Heimdall, or if I'm just all like, damn, I, I like, think, Heimdall do better. I think you kind of have to be, because not only that, you got to think about this. Heimdall sees all, which means he basically knows all. There's nothing that you can you can block from Handel's eyes. You know, there's always you know these little side pockets of magic or something like that that happens that block his vision. But he technically sees all realms at all times, all the time. So, quick question then, inside, who blinks then when he's watching? Ooh, ooh, watcher, the watcher, and the watcher's watching him. I like that. <laughs> who blinks? Who's watching? <laughs> well, that's what's so about like, watching. I like that. <laughs> quick, quick question for my dudes who read the comics: Is is Heimdall a man of color in the comics? No, no. See, um, that that was even the big, big, big thing was because in in actual Norse mythologies and all the Norse gods right. were always blonde, blonde right. people, yeah. blue eyes. You know, even though they this, stole this, some this, of that from West Africa, because you have Shango, who is the uh, god of thunder. Because I've always, awesome, I've way. always been, re- I've always enjoyed watching Heimdall because it, we call it Asgard in the MCU, but it's kind of like a Valhalla concept. It's a paradise. Yeah, Everyone's yeah. peaceful, and I love seeing the Guardian, the rock steady, deeply loyal, unchanging, unflinching. Yeah, and he is there, and he's he's a he's a, beautiful. <laughs> Hi, Idris. Um, he's a be- <laughs> but, but he's but he's a man of color. He's exactly he's exactly the opposite of a Norse concept of beauty, but like Thor. Even yeah. in his standards, though, like the the thing I, I've always liked about him, at least in the first two, um, was that his stature was 
I am the man. And like, but it's not like I'm not showing off. Like I control this. I have this power. I'm, I'm more powerful than you think I am, but as well as I'm a merciful person. So he always had, he always had like the King qualities you would expect. That's why it's always interesting that he never did try. Yes. He's that loyal because he had he had the power. Let me let me jump right off that. Like I I've I've always been moved by how he's a better father and steward for Asgard than Odin or any yes. of the, yeah. or any of the yeah children. without a doubt yeah like that's just that that's there's a lot there's a lot of power there and I and Idris is great casting because he's so good at doing things with with no dialogue. Here, here's wishing for a movie where uh, he and Valkyrie fall in love with each other. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> there, there, there they go on like a solo yes, like, adventure. That'd Into awesome. that. <laughs> and I want to read all the fanfic off it as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just saying. Um, The Game Master. Yeah, or Grandmaster. Grandmaster. Jeff, play, played by Jeff Goldblum. Should by I the play? Way. I mean, it was Goldblumy as all Goldblumy could be. Yeah, he uh, wasn't acting. <laughs> They're just like, let's get Jeff in here. I mean, he hasn't acted <laughs> since yourself. the fly. He said, you know, he's, he's accurate. He said, just be yourself. Just do what you do in every movie. Yeah. And we're just going to give you some words to, 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 to come out. And then you just get Jeff Gloobloom them up. <laughs> also, my brain was like, why Hunger Games? Like the whole aesthetics of that was like real. It was mm. very. I didn't even think of that. It, it I was, was expecting right? this. The 75th annual. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because there's, there's so much affectation and all the makeup. And we're all acting like this is so fancy. But we can actually see it's completely morally bankrupt. Like it was just it was just it was interesting. And I was like, is anyone else feeling like a really intense Stanley Tucci vibe off of this performance? Also, also did anybody else get vibes of Willy Wonka when Thor's yes. getting ready to go ahead and meet him? And at first it's all happy and stuff as he's strapped up yeah, in that his tunnel. chair. Yeah, basically it was like, you know? and it was, yeah, it was like a small world after all that was like just dark <laughs> and like it was like a small world after all brought to you by Tim Burton. Like, <laughs> it was, it was, no, but it was basically that tunnel scene in Willy Wonka. Yeah, that's what it was. It, it so. felt like the the whole the reddish uh, tone to it was exactly yeah. the same as that 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 like dark that. scene. It yeah. was like that. Um, but one thing with the Grandmaster, oh, I think it's a little bit aside, but I think the MCU and Marvel this is where they made a huge mistake. So many people have forgotten so much about Thanos being the overall like villain oh, of of, nice of everything. And Thanos should have had a solo film. And if you go, if you go on YouTube and um, you go on Comics Explained, uh, one of the mm-hmm. best you know YouTube um, you know sites you can watch. Uh, he has a, a the the seminal thing is the Infinity Wars, a six part you know comic series, which we're gonna get that as a uh, movie. But Isn't the more it impo- be the two part movie though only. Yeah, two part movie. But the more it's important, be awesome too. But, but the more important thing is. Thanos should have had a solo film on his own because there's actually a comic series that breaks down Thanos collecting all of the Infinity Stones. Yeah. And when he goes to get the very last stone, he's going to get it from the Grandmaster because the Grandmaster... Wasn't it the Power Stone? I believe so. Mm -hmm. It was the Power Stone. And the Grandmaster plays this game of chess but it's a game of chess that's almost like if Where you're he, into that. Um, I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. It's yeah, it's almost going to be like, what's that movie that they have getting ready to come out? Like Player Ready 1 or something? Oh, I know, yeah. Yeah, but uh, they 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 even did this in uh, a cartoon where they had the Grandmaster yeah, so, in that same situation. Yeah. 
basically using MCU characters as his pawns. So yeah. that, that's what I was going to ask because in the actual That would have been a dope movie. That's that's how powerful the Grandmaster is. He is one of the like celestial. And that's how powerful Thanos is because he outthought him. He's supposed to saying? be the greatest strategist of all is the Grandmaster. You, you get him but the other reason I'm, I'm always so But they already ruined that with how they had Jeff Goldblum in Yeah, that's, that's why I say it was a, such a lost opportunity. See, I'm, I'm, that's why I'm even more excited to see how they but, did the Grandmaster, how y'all explain it, because it does seem like he's pretty similar to the comic books. Like, because he was always this quirky... Mm, no, he's a complete no, throw. Oh, no. Okay. What, what, go Plus, ahead. one other vibe I got off of him besides Stanley Tucci and Willy Wonka was also... Uh, Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Like, t- talking this huge game, and then if you actually get too close to him and try to knock him over, it's like, like he's just, I don't, you, you don't get a strong sense of power from him that has anything to do with him. Oh, oh, you get a strong sense of him holding all the money in that world. That's where, that's where all his power comes from. And, and the woman that was next to him, which was basically like his bodyguard, oh my gosh, if, if I'm, if I'm, um, if I'm DC, I'm having her reprise, like, or, or, or go ahead and do a role for when Darkseid comes through and you have Granny Goodness. Because mm-hmm. she would play... So there's this character named, named Granny Goodness who she looks like, you know, Santa Claus's wife. She looks straight like up, Mrs. Claus. But just a mean version. Just but straight she's, mean. But she has... No, she's caring for... Her, him, but she'll do anything, anything for him. Murderously yeah. to yeah, make sure he's... She, she's completely evil and she brainwashes these super powered type of beings than to basically be like her hounds that she uses and she's like you know the type of like grandmother that would be running a foster home and you leave and then all of a sudden like a kid leaves a spoon inside of the sink and she comes by and then she just wants to go ahead and tap the kid on his forehead with the spoon like until a welt just starts going or beating them with a wet towel like this like evil type of character and she just so like gave me like granny goodness vibes i was like they need to bring her to the dc bonus because she was a character of color too right yeah i want to say she's probably either latinx or of a native indigenous descent yeah something i just want to touch on the grandmaster jeff goldblum they can still do a autocorrect on that in (laughs) essence and i can see it being this because he did he can't well he already lost the fact of being that strategic, the fact that Thor outwits him. But they can figure out that he, you know, he let his guard down. He probably got killed at the end. Like, they just, no, that, they, that's, that's a classic. Remember at the end, remember they say something about the end and he's like, remember I did this? Or like, he tries to take credit for the Yeah, but they the probably, he, he's such a throwaway character. But, they, he, but that's my thing that makes me mad. I agree with you because he could have been, because that's the problem that I have with the, the villains is like, they kill, they either kill all the villains and they don't. You don't have an emotional connection where you grow with the villain, and that they they learn, and the hero learns. But you want kind Jeff of, Goldblum for humor? No, I don't. When want, I'm like, yeah. instead, the Grandmaster probably should have been someone like Dustin Hoffman, mm. and it should have been serious and like you know just how conniving right. he is it's as profoundly a person. That's what I'm saying because then you could have kept him going because, yeah. and then you could have had that scene later, like maybe but, in the first Infinity War. But they Wars. did that with the best villain that could have been when I was talking about earlier for Iron Man. They did that with the Mandarin. Yeah. The Mandarin's one of the best villains like that you can get in the MCU, and they did the same thing where they just made him a joke. Too bad. So let's go to the because uh, let's go to the end, um, the conclusion. Sure. Um, we kind of already hinted towards it that um, Sutter. Um. Well, so leading into that, before uh, when they're going to go ahead and grab Serta's helm, 
as we can see, something that's going to lead probably into Infinity War. Mm -hmm. First, earlier in the movie, Definitely. Hela is walking through the basically trophy hall of and she Asgard. she walks right past it. And she walks, and she also says certain things are fake. Like, she calls out the fact that the gauntlet that Odin has, because everybody's been wondering, how can Thanos get the gauntlet if the gauntlet, so it's a fake gauntlet. But she passes by an Infinity Stone, she passes by the Tesseract. And yes. it's interesting where she just saw, like, and that was such a badass moment where she's so powerful that she's going through, she's like, oh, this is fake, not powerful enough. She goes by an Infinity Stone, and she's like, this is interesting, but nah. <laughs> Let me keep like she passes up an infinity stone to go ahead and grab the you know this eternal fire that's able to bring life back from she death. She wanted her dog back, yo. Yeah, that dog was yeah. <laughs> that's what it was. She wanted her dog back. Seriously. <laughs> and so then it's interesting when Tom Hiddleston, Loki's character, then mm -hmm. goes by later on, and he's going to go get the helm of Serta, put it inside of the eternal flame to go ahead and try to use a villain to defeat another villain, but. He stops for a second and he looks at the Tesseract, yeah, yep. which is what he took you know, a moment you know, of pausing. And mm. I believe, as anybody, he took, he took the that. Tesseract. Like so, he's him. There's no way because he didn't. because and and that would also and make remember sense. too, he owes Thanos a debt because he originally oh. got that for Thanos. So some tells me in the next film he's probably gonna have to go ahead and give that up to Thanos because. He's on a wanted list. Yeah, that's true. And he is a, the double agent, most double but agent. But they can also use that to flip that into extending the storyline. So that's how we get to two is that he. Loki we get being to the, two. I can tell you right Loki now, we probably get to two because they die. Well, yeah, well, that's that's what I mean, because but, almost they're all dead. But Loki also <laughs> is a trickster that makes Thanos think that he's giving it to him and he doesn't, and it extend like making that extended a little bit. It like looks like the Tesseract is yeah, actually a bag of yeah, that, you know that he's not just actually. <laughs> just, <laughs> That's not just he's not just actually just gonna walk up and be like, all right. And I'd be super mad too if they're just original Fritos. Like they better be chili cheese, damn it. <laughs> chili cheese are so good. Shout out to chili cheese Fritos. But I, but I think something like that, just to extend it a little bit longer, um, I think will will occur. But I do think that those two scenes were pivotal. And like you said, that, that I I didn't think about it in that light of that, you know, it was that you know, powerful and she does go She passed yeah. up an infinity it's interesting. stone. <laughs> You don't need it. It's, it's interesting, but it's not interesting enough to make me stop and say, this can help with whatever I need to do now. Yeah. Mm, I can pass this up. For, I want my dog. For a second, one of the things that I thought was going to come through, you know, just to give an homage to the first film, yeah, yeah. I thought the Destroyer was going to. Yeah, because they went through that They went through that cell. They went through that cell or the place where you saw them lock him up last time. Yeah. And they just kind of just went right past that. Because I thought when they well, first when did that. De well, Odin did I thought that he Thor was going not to, there. That's probably why there was no one to then call, call upon the destroyer. Like she's technically the ruler of Asgard. It's like so a watch, I guess that's why the it's destroyer. Like, it's like a watchdog is is saying back until she said gives that order. You need that, that staff. Or, whoever whoever holds the staff, the royal staff is the staff that controls the controls yeah. it. So since I'm assuming Odin's dead, he's with his staff, which he always was, and it's probably next to his dead body since Thor didn't come back according to y'all. No, 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 it wasn't. He didn't, he didn't have he, it. He didn't have the staff, but I just think the fact that there wasn't a like technical ruler like there that I well, guess she, it didn't she, that's right. no, but she that's was the, but she, yeah, she, she the was ruler, the ruler. So, so she, attack her? why would it attack her? And yeah. if she didn't say it to, like yeah. It, According to and that, then also I even got, thought that she may she have gone ahead code. and like it's like she got for it to code. come out and use it. That's what know? I'm saying. That's what I thought when I when I when I originally saw it when I saw and then I saw her take over. I was like, oh, that's gonna come out because Odin's like, down down in nature abhors the vacuum. But as we said, she's so powerful. She's like, I, what do I need that for? I'll handle this. She's but very now, powerful. Now, now 
two things I want to go to because we're getting to the end of the, of the movie is um, Ragnarok does occur. Um, we see Hamdol, Thor, um, basically um, oh. taking the people and 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 fi- trying to find another homeland, yeah. um, an, another another place to call home. Do you think that Hela's dead? Yeah, she's dead. She's dead. I think she's. I think she's dead. Because I mean, the whole entire planet, like Asgard, you know, is like the the New York City, you know, or or the Vienna of like the nine realms and stuff, and like it, it's gone, it's destroyed. I mean, she, at the end of the day, she's an Asgardian. So just like how Thor may not have been as powerful as an Asgardian, he's now missing an eye because another Asgardian, just as powerful, had a blow that was strong enough to take his eye out. Is gone. She's battling against another god from another realm, Inserta, who's the the fire demons, and his sword was as big as like Mount Everest, and like he drove it like into the planet and you know attacked her. Like she she's dead. They're, I think they mutual destruction. Because also too, if she's not dead, you know how bad of a plot point like that is, like and, and resolution. Because then basically you're saying that they brought back Serta to destroy their home world for nothing. But this is what I'm saying. The reason why I can see it as a flip side as a plot point because Thor took down Serta so easily. And if she's more powerful... He took than, down Serta before Serta had what he needed. Like, he didn't... Oh, because he needed the flame. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Because that's what I was going to say is if he took him down so easily and she's more powerful than him, that wouldn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But... With the I, internal flame, I guess that gives him more power to be stronger than her. I'll give you one thing on the thing y'all talking about. Hela, according to the comic book, she can never truly die because as the actual ruler of hell, when she gets killed in on Asgard or a planet, all she does is gets locked back in hell. So I That's can true, see, in the hell of Asgard. So yeah, I And now that Asgard doesn't exist this, anymore, that doesn't what mean, hell is she going to? That doesn't mean her realm doesn't exist because it was it was tied to, but it wasn't a part of Asgard. It was actually in another dimension. So what I can see is just being her being pushed back there and locked off. Where if they wanted to use her as a scapegoat in a you know future time, they could say she was just trapped in hell. We need to actually go to hell or go talk to her or some shit like that. I think them doing that has made it to where there will not be, unless there's just demand or need for money, I don't think we're going to see another Thor solo movie in quite some time. Probably so. not. Interestingly enough, the Wikipedia description of the plot says that she is seemingly killed. <laughs> they have some hugely mm, qualified yeah. right there. I also wanted to ask you guys, like, what did you think about the the messaging and the, the narrative about how they... they uh, they come to understand that Asgard is not actually the planet. It's the people of yeah. the planet. I, I found I was into that message and it's, it's a, it's an interesting political message. And I think it's coming a lot out of, uh, out of the director because, um, like, and co- coming from his, uh, background is his father was, um, Maori or Maori. I'm not actually how to, sure how to pronounce that term. Thank you. Um, like what happens? Like what happens when your land is like taken out beneath you? Like do, do your people dissolve or do they prevail? Like that that little message I think was in there, and I think it's highlighted the way it is because of him and his personal background. What did you guys make of that stuff? Um, I thought that was pretty profound. Um, I also thought taking it outside of the realistic and political, you know, realm that it was necessary for the progression of just the character and and because if you kill off his whole entire people um i guess you can just say then he yeah he's tied to earth um in essence because that's his only other connection but 
if you ever try to introduce any other characters from that, like Beta Ray Bill, um, or the progression of Hamdel's story, um, anything like that, then you're kind of stuck. Um, so I kind of felt it was necessary to a certain degree, but I also think there's a lot of other ways that they could have approached it, and I think they did a very uh, well job of executing that to to give off um, that that double meaning. Um, and I think it's a, a good message to put out there, um, especially in these times. I, can, I, I, I concur. Know. I concur with D-Ray. Um, I think... I think it was political. I, I think yeah. um, it definitely holds true that, you know, for many folks of color, if you've lost homelands, if you are a part of that diaspora, um, it's within you. Um, as long as you're living, then your legacy and your lineage goes on as long as the information and stories are passed on, um, because it can't be just the land. It has to be the culture and the culture of Asgard will remain mm-hmm. as long as an Asgardian remains because we Especially already got it's going to go ahead and be Heimdall. Yeah. Yeah. Ahead. Because, because we get that with Valkyrie at the right. end of the day, she's still an Asgardian and that's how Thor is able to go ahead and get her to help is because he appeals she, to her sensibility. He appeals but... to her sensibility that at the end of the day, she lost herself fighting for her culture and fighting for the survival of Asgard. Yes. And as a result, she, you know, lost her way, but eventually she came back in order to right those wrongs. Even if it was a selfish reason to see Hela die, it still was something for Asgard, for her being an Asgardian. Um, Heimdall did as much as what he could do, you know, was, I mean, if he, he could have just fled if he wanted to go ahead and just flee. Right. Like, he had the ability to go ahead and do that. But he took the sword of the Bifrost. He got as many people as he could, constantly risking his life, because at the end of the day, he's an Asgardian. Um, so, I, yeah, there were strong, you know, almost, they're not a nation, but, you know, nationalistic ties and cultural ties to Asgard. One more quick point before we are done with Thor, because we're just about done. Yeah, do, um, any any thoughts from you two gentlemen about... Um, about whether the Valkyrie can be read as a people who, women who don't know, in, in quotes, men. Because um, I, I was reading some interesting, like, that s- some people were reading that little, um, it's like a tacit backstory of that battle that uh, Valkyrie is in before she leaves. Um, like, why is she why is she weeping during the battle? Like, was that her lover that she sees lost in the battle? I've read some some suggestions that it's coming from there. And then also she doesn't respond to Thor's beauty in any way, which, I, which is cool. Like not, not, not everyone wants a, a blonde, um, yeah, a blonde I, burger, but like, I don't know. I, what do you, what do you guys, what did you guys make of that? I, I thought that too, for a, for a brief second, um, just because also, um, that's what, uh, had existed in the Roxanne gay retelling of a uh, backstory for, um, the, for Wakanda. And nice. what they were what they were doing, and but they're not going to do that in the film, and you know a lot of folks were were really upset about that, and I thought that might be the case, but it seemed like Valkyrie actually had a thing going on with Bruce Banner, like that yeah. she respected oh. more so because I all I, I felt like that vibe where even they're like you know I feel like I know you you know me like even when like Hulk was there he's all like oh hey you know flying girl or whatever and it's like I felt that they had something going on however. The Valkyrie, you're correct in the terms of the Valkyrie 
are basically the Themyscarians right, right, right. of, you mm-hmm. know, Asgard to where they're elite race of Amazonian fighters that are basically put off on this, like, kind of, like, island floating realm that exists in Not Asgard. Not distracted by dudes. Not distracted <laughs> by dudes, given the ability to war, um, be strong, have all those things in order to go ahead and be a great Amazonian uh, woman warrior and you know they do their thing but i didn't i didn't get the vibe at first i was like even thinking i was like oh the way she's like lingering looking at her i was like was that her lover but then when i saw more of the interaction between her and hulk i was like no i don't think that's cause i was thinking maybe i don't think they they're lovers either too. i think See? they were making a joke about how uh what is hulk like or like what is banner like when he's hulk and he remember stuff like i feel like i know you i think it was kind of like a joke about that yeah. more than um more than than the other thing that you were saying and also just like there's something about like mark ruffalo i think is pretty straight up asexual in his um depiction of banner like ba- I, I don't know I see. I know he sometimes yeah, yeah. has tension with Black Widow, but like not really though. Like, yeah, I not know, really. I would say for me the 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 Valkyrie scene, I didn't I didn't take it in that it regard as lovers. Shot. It was no, I thought it was very beautifully was. shot. Um, and and way that they pulled away at at instances and they didn't give us too much. I felt that that's those were done perfectly because, um, but I didn't I didn't get that lovers feel. I just felt like it was just the fact that of uh, that that weep was just of how bad of a massacre it was like just at the just the devastation of like basically like she said she's the only one like and as and i i know some of the backstory of the valkyrie um prior to the film so it was just think about it is like like you said a whole island of your people and you see them all get killed in one at, at one battle mm-hmm. and you're the only one that makes it and you make it out of luck she- like like right. like that's what I took from it. It's just that it was just the devastation of the whole thing, and I didn't even pick up uh, on any chemistry like that kind of chemistry or sexual tension with mm. Bruce Banner. Similar to you, um, I just thought it was like you said of of playing on the idea of of regardless of what form Bruce Banner is in, a piece of him, both pieces of him are ex- are, are are present to those that can really that are really in tuned and, and really vibe with that same energy that he has. Like Black Widow, she feels both of his sides. Mm, true. That, that they have, he, that connection is because of a complete connection that he has with certain people. And he has it with Black Widow and he has it with Valkyrie or uh, Tessa Thompson. And I just wanted to say she uh, sh- special shout out to Tessa Thompson because she she gave all new meaning to the phrase I drink to forget because she really sold that entire thing, especially when we see that backstory mm-hmm. as beautifully as it was shot. No matter what you want to read into the rest of it, like did she lose things? She did. And you can feel it. And I love I love how much power she pulls into the screen because a lot of a lot of her presence in the interactions with other characters is her having a certain face mm-hmm. and looking up because she's quite short. But she, you can feel her. You can feel her intensity and her power, yeah. even though she is a small Smaller stature d- person. And I, I love to see that on screen, um, like a, a woman holding focus. And she's not, even, she's not even using sexual power. Like it's, it's smarts, it's brains, it's prowess, cleverness, all of that. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, like you said, is the fact that in management and in certain situations, they teach you or, or they'll tell you, you know, have them sit down so that they're not above you or things of that nature because just that that in that vision or that idea um is giving them power and even like you said in those scenes 
she's not going to a higher level to make sure that she's looking down on them. She's still yeah. looking up on them and they still feel like they're looking, that she's looking down on exactly. them. Like yeah, she exactly. She still has that feeling. Of, I guarantee there's probably going to be a team up movie that's going to happen. Like, I mean, initially she's a part they with Hulk towards as it. the defenders, the, the, the defenders in the comics, not the ones that we know now from the Marvel, um, you know, iteration of the defenders. Although her but, and Rosario uh, Dawson, 10 out of 10 would watch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I would be down for like a, um, an all woman, like cast, like you put her Rosario, well, Rosario Dawson character. I don't know if the night nurse would, what she would be out in space for, <laughs> but, um, definitely lady Sif is out there. Like lady Sif, um, maybe Shuri is definitely mm. probably going to be in the in in Infinity Shuri. Wars, so she's going to have some type of Wakandan suit that can handle being out in mm. space or something. There's going to be like, so much be cool. good woman acting coming out of the Black Panther. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, um, just to wrap this up, because I, we've been talking your ear off about this movie a long time, go check it out. It's definitely worth it. Um, just tell us what you overall think of this in relation to the other marvels uh, other marvel movies um do you what do you not necessarily you don't have to rank it but do you say it's in the top half the bottom half i'll rank it i have a top 5 it oh. does not make my top 5 uh my number 1 uh marvel film cuz i i'm slow here with it because my number 1 comic cuz usually i just do comic book movies for a top 5 my number 1 still for comic book movies as a whole is x men first class mine too um mine too. But number one for Marvel films, um, number one, I have Guardians of the Galaxy. Number two, I have Captain America Winter Soldier. Number three, I have Avengers, the original one. Uh, Number four, I have uh, probably Iron Man 1. And number five... uh, Gotta have Deadpool in there somewhere. Well, he's that's Century Fox, so I, I don't count that. Um, number five, I, I, I have a I have a sore spot for Ant Man. Number five, probably Ant Man. Okay. Anybody? Well, you- um, I could say top. I could say top half. Okay. I don't. Um, I don't know if I could speak as in detail to to the ranking as Ben Ben just did, but I do want to um, agree that Winter Soldier is the best of the Cap franchise. I love Winter Soldier so, so much. But once again, that's because even though it's a Captain America, it's basically just a awesome spy film it's and an thriller. Awesome. Yes. I mean, you know, like you Valid. can take all the, the, the Captain America stuff out. It's just a well-written, you know, it's like an all the King's men with action. Oh, nice. Yes. Good analysis there. Um, yeah. And I did, I did enjoy it. And I just, I love I loved that it was the way that it was with as many risks taken with how they told the story that paid off, like the choice to be very humorous and have it be excellent. And I love all of that. And then who is, who is driving the bus? Not a white dude. Like I was really, really into that. And so I have to do, I have to do props for it. What I'll say is it is not in my top five. Um, it would probably be maybe in the lower half of my top 10. Um, that doesn't take away that it is a very good movie, very well shot. Um, there is a lot of comedy in it that is enjoyable, um, makes it lighthearted, but it is um, a well-written story, um, in essence, and, and I think it was executed very well. Um, top five, real quick, X-Men First Class, of course. That is my number one. I just felt like I've said consistently, I felt they did the best job of capturing a relationship between two characters, Magneto and Professor X. Um, that was as close as you can to the comic book, but still capturing just a really well-written story. Um, that was just me. And the acting, and that was great. 
Moving on from that, you have Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and for me, I'd have to go Volume 1, the first one. Oh, without a doubt. Volume 2 don't make no type of list for me. <laughs> <laughs> volume 2 was awful. I thought Volume 2 was good, but it was nowhere near as good as Volume 1. Um, so so uh, that's my number two. Number three. Number three, I- I'll say a... I thought if you're going with comic books, it's not hard to start picking some of the Batman films or like picking a oh, Deadpool well, I mean, I mean or whatever. Marvel. Because no, when, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean Marvel. Ex- I mean, I'm okay. sorry, I'm, I'm Marvel. Um, then, Marvel's a whole. Okay. Then I'll go uh, Avengers, Civil War for me. No, 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 I mean Civil War. I still haven't watched Logan. Logan doesn't make your top five. Everybody Ooh. tells me that Logan's that good. I still Logan's number it. five for Logan's me. Logan's in my top five. Yeah, Logan's okay. my fifth one. I haven't and seen then it. my fourth would be Winter Soldier. Love Winter Soldier. Yeah. Um. So, no, also you, too, you don't get a list also because too, you didn't watch. Yeah. Thor. And also too, we could talk about it once again with just some more like shade that is deserved uh, on the MCU since they like do these great, beautiful things and they're so magical and stuff. So where the hell is the Red Skull at? Like, are we are we ever gonna eventually get to that? Because I think they just threw it away. I think they forgot. I, what the Red Skull. I've been saying that shit for the longest. Because when he was in the first episode, the first uh, Winter Soldier, I was like, okay, we're we gonna see him. Oh, uh, not Winter Soldier, the first Captain America. Because like, Captain see him. America's Loki. Yeah, he, he always comes up. He's, he's always the- there. He's always there. He's a main part of Hydra. We've had Hydra. We're in, not like, gonna see that because of- Captain America's gonna die in Infinity Wars. I so agree. That but is over. It, it was a throwaway character that had so much potential <laughs> with that. I can't wait though till Thor shows up. Like probably because in the post credit scene, we see you know a big ass ship yeah. roll up. It's most likely Thanos' ship, which I hope not. That means all the Asgardians are probably going to be that. Looking for the stone because Loki now has it. And you got to think something happens where then Thor maybe goes to meet and battle him, ends up getting messed up, and then that's when the Guardians of the Galaxy pick him up because we've already seen the preview for Infinity War where he's like chilling, looking at the Guardians. The Guardians are looking at him like, whoa. If you look look at his gauntlet, he already has three of the stones. You know what I'm saying? So like they show that clearly why he was taking the fourth. So that already means he had to get the stone for, as you told me, was the on on. And we're going to pause that, and that's going to be for another conversation on the Stay Woke podcast. I want to say thank you, thank you all for coming. Thank you, Benjamin and Ottawa. Definitely go check him out on Instagram under Cousin Benji, as well as on Twitter. We got Ready, always coming through. And then we got Miss Atlanta Jane. We want to thank you for coming as well. Um, Stay tuned, because we will also have another comic book podcast uh, episode coming out for Justice League as well, so check those out. And then eventually we're gonna try to get in uh, a Star Wars and a top ten uh, just comic book or just um, superhero comic book related uh, list for the year as a whole. So definitely come back and check with us for that. We appreciate you listening to another Stay Woke podcast. Definitely uh, check us out on YouTube as well as SoundCloud. And you know our motto: live, listen to some great music. And above all, love more. And we out.